This is the Men of Words podcast, where little conversations can make big differences. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Men of Words podcast. My name's Michael, joined as always by my good friend, my number one man, best PE teacher in the country, Mr. Liam Murphy. Murph, how are you traveling, mate? Well, good. After that intro, <laughs> I am full of beans right now. Nah, I'm good, mate. I'm uh, I'm counting down the hours till school holidays. Mm-hmm. I feel bad saying that. It's been a it's been a roller coaster term yet again with with everything, and we're just sort of touching base today with a few teachers about how like chop and change it is, and you know, you rock up to work one day and it's different again. So I'm tired. I'm a little bit stressed. Reports are finished. So that's a good, good thing, but yeah, no, mate, I'm, I'm alright. I'm alright. How you doing? I'm good, mate. And yeah, first of all, I think anybody can understand and empathise with that inconsistency because that's what stings at the end of the day. So for the school term stuff, hundred percent, it makes sense that you feel in the pinch a little bit. And I don't think anybody's gonna hold your feet over the fire by uh, saying that you're looking forward to school holidays because I know that there'd be a lot of people Bloody like teachers and yeah. Oh, the teachers <laughs> have got the cushiest jobs ever. They get like fourteen weeks off a year, right? Yeah, exactly. Nothing of the sort. No, I'm good, mate. I um, yeah, I'm I'm on the way up. Got a second COVID jab, just bon bon. circulating at the moment. Breathe on me. Yeah, exactly. Herd immunity. Herd immunity. I'm just spreading the love. Um, yeah, it it definitely like knocked me for six a little bit. Mm. Definitely some like hot sweats and late nights, you know, restless nights and stuff like that. But glad, glad that it's in and that it's uh and that it's yeah, it's doing its thing. But nothing is going to stop us getting into this conversation today. Murph, who have we got? Who are we chatting to? Let's do it. This one is an absolute belter of a human being. He uh, comes to us as a, I guess, a recommendation from way back from Josh Bellanti. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are joined by none other than Sydney FC custodian, a man who's been there forever, Mr. Ryan Grant. Ryan, how you doing, my man? Going well, fellas. How are you? We're good. I mean... We should probably jump straight into the, the fact that you are answering with I am going good and you're sitting in hotel quarantine, bang on halfway through, mm-hmm. mate, after an absolute high of high Socceroos campaign, mate. So that firstly, congratulations on that. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. It was a, a good trip, actually. I mean, it's a little bit different in this climate with uh, not being allowed to leave, uh, I suppose, the hub, they call it, over there in Kuwait. But it was a good camp. It was good to see everyone. We hadn't been together for a while, so it was good to see some friendly faces and then uh, spend a bit of time and obviously get some important wins leading into trying to qualify for the World Cup. Humongous. It's so exciting. Massive. So exciting. And now you find yourself back in a, in hotel quarantine, as we said, halfway through or just about halfway through, mate. How's it, has it been for the last six or seven days? Um, it hasn't been... Uh, I mean, I've been asked this question multiple times the last few days, but um, and I think there's always generic answers, but I think it hasn't been too bad, to be honest. I think it's definitely not something I would choose to do, be locked up in a, in a hotel room uh, constantly, but at the same time, it's it's still bearable, I think, and without getting into so much so early. I think if you put things into perspective, it's not that big of a deal, right? But, um, yeah, I've got a little kitchenette um, so I can cook my own meals. Uh, can still be a bit bad and order some Uber Eats and whatnot. So plenty to do still, a bit of sport on the TV, so can't complain. That's good. What an outlook. What yeah, a it's a good perspective to have on it, mate. And, you're, and look, and I get what you're saying. It is, it's easy for us to, in our various situations to say, oh, you know, it could be worse, could be worse. But, you know, you're allowed to like, yeah, you're allowed to feel the pinch. Everybody's allowed to feel the pinch, you know. It doesn't really, there's no ranking 
you know, tough times and, and, the, and those, you know, sort of feelings of that. Murph, as Melburnians, I think we can empathise and relate with being locked in our bedrooms for quite yeah. some time. I feel you there. So, Absolutely. no, no, that's cool, mate. But, hey, good. I'm trying to keep an, an optimistic uh, look at it, I suppose. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I like it. That's excellent, mate. It's the main, It's the mindset we want. It's the mindset we all strive for, especially with, um, yeah, I guess the, the conversations that we have, we, we love hearing when... You know, we are we are having conversations about mental health, but it mm. is it is really good to hear that there's positivity already ingrained in, in yourself. So let's get cracking, Muff. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go, Ryan. Let's talk a little bit about yourself, mate. For those, probably there's a lot of Melburnians down here that don't particularly follow the soccer and the, and the A-League as their number one sport. So we'd love to... I guess get a little bit of a, a story, a little bit of a background on who Ryan Grant is and, and your your journey to where you are now as a as a professional footballer. Oh, I mean, yeah, it depends how far you want to go back, but um, let's go, let's yeah. go right back. Day dot, let's go mate. day dot. That's it. Hey, if you're not going anywhere, if you're if you're not if you're stuck in hotel quarantine, Murph and I are ready to chat. We got hours up our sleep. Okay, I think well. Um, I'm from a, a small town of a place called Canoundra, which is about uh, four hours um, west of Sydney. Um, a lot of people, I suppose, not a lot of people, I shouldn't say that, but people know the region, I suppose, if you're from New South Wales. But like you said, Victorians probably have no idea and couldn't care less. But, yeah, it's a town about four <laughs> hours uh, west of, of Sydney. Um, only got about 1,200 to 1,500 people. Um yeah, was born out there, grew up there, uh, lived there till I was about 12, uh, did a bit of everything and then moved to uh, Bathurst. For my, old, my old man's got a job there. We moved there as a family and then um, started playing a bit of football and I uh, was lucky enough to get asked to move to Sydney to be part of the Institute, the New South Wales Institute. Um, so I moved up there uh, on my Pat Malone, lived with a, a few rellos um, and then started to obviously take football seriously and then, yeah, long story short, sort of started doing quite well and um, played for the Sydney FC uh, youth team um, and then signed for the first team and when I was 17, I think, you know, 30 now, so I've been there ever since. Interesting point that you mentioned was about the the move. Those moves obviously happen at a pretty young age. So how does that experience sort of like shake out when the, uh, you know, with a little bit of time passing and a bit of reflection upon that, that time of your life? Um, yeah, well, at the time um, I was 15 and, um, as mentioned, I was lucky enough to get a scholarship to the New South Wales Institute of Sport um, and, yeah, sort of made the move without really thinking too deeply about it. It was sort of just a thing that, oh, this is a huge opportunity. Um, Mum and Dad were the same. This is an awesome opportunity. If we can make this work, let's do it. And I was like, yep, perfect. Um, lucky enough, I have a few rallies in Sydney, so I uh, could bunk up with them. Uh, which was luckily because my parents weren't um, able to move at the time. We, like I said, I had three older sisters mm. um, that had were at school in high school, so uh, there was no way we could sort of move the whole family. So I sort of moved up to Sydney on my Pat Malone and um, sort of had to get on with things there, which was which was pretty difficult at the time. I didn't think too much of it to be honest. It was more just the, uh, this is what you do, and you sort of hear all those stories or success stories of athletes and and whatnot of the hard yards I had to go through and the sacrifices and you can't hang out with your friends on the weekend, you can't go to parties, um, this, that. And we were sort of training at um, 
out west in a, in a place called Park Lee, which is, again, you guys won't know, but it's out um, in Blacktown, uh, which mm. was about an hour from where I was living with Relos in, in Strathfield or Ashfield um, on the train. And it was sort of a bit of a, a rough line, you'd call it on the, on the train line. So it was a little bit sketchy at times and I was getting home quite late, but yeah, some, some sketchy times at that, but sort of made me grow up a little bit more, which I thought um, at the time was, was perfect. And you like to think that you're a bit of a, a blokey bloke and a, can look after yourself. Um, so I was uh, yeah doing that journey by myself, but like I said, it was a one that sort of taught me to, to grow up and, um, a bit quicker than I probably usually would have or was gonna. Um, and then, yeah, sort of everything worked out. I didn't, like I said, didn't think too much of it and things were doing well. I then went to the Australian Institute of Sport from there, which was in Canberra, uh, where you live on on campus, which was really cool and where I met um, Andrew Redmayne. Shout out, Redders. Know him pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> the wiggle. <laughs> um, yeah, then I uh, was lucky enough to go to Sydney FC from there to the youth team, but um the thing that I was sort of getting to is uh, when I was about 18 or 19. So yeah, probably 18, maybe 17, 18, probably two or three years after the initial move. Um, I remember just being a little bit down one day and um, called my dad and like I always did back then almost daily, probably every second day just to touch base. So they know I'm all right. And just to tell him how football's going and whatnot. Um, and then just, yeah, had a bit of a little bit of a breakdown wasn't sure why it wasn't even um, on my mind to sort of uh, speak to him about anything in particular, it was just to catch up and sort of broke down. I was like, Oh, just, I think I miss home. I think I miss you guys. I think I miss my sisters. I don't know what's going on. And he was, he was sort of a bit rattled by it. Didn't see it coming either. And then sort of was like, Oh, I'll speak to your mother and then put mum on the phone. And she got up all upset because I was upset. And um, I think it just came back to, I was just going with the moment at the time and never really looked back or reflected on anything. And then was probably having a down day or a down week or something. And it sort of just all hit me like a ton of bricks and sort of broke down. And then mum and dad were like, Oh, it's no good mate. So made the effort that weekend to bring all the, all the girls up, my sisters and them come up and um, stayed at a hotel for the, for the weekend and just sort of had a little family holiday, which we hadn't had for ages. So I think, um, yeah, they sort of realised what the issue was and like my parents do best, they dropped everything and came up within a matter of days. So worked out really well. Mate, it's a, I mean, that age, it's a formative year. Like mm. you're moving at the peak of what you could arguably say in terms of adolescence is the scariest time to be alive for any person, mm. let alone being away from your nearest and dearest, being away from your mum, your dad, your, your sisters. It's, I don't know how to word this. I'm not surprised that that state of mind came about um, mm. because of the fact that I know for myself I wouldn't be able to do what you did. Um, it's a pretty impressive thing looking back to to be able to say like, yeah, I, you know, it rocked me and it, it took for whatever it was, whatever the moment in time was that, that you realised that you were you were missing home and, and your family. But... The fact that you, the fact that you were able to get through as well is a, is a monstrous effort and something that you should be very proud of. It proves yeah. the like it proves how important that communication yeah. is. I mean, if you talk about you know being on the phone every couple of days, you know that 
there's every chance that if that wasn't, you know, a good habit that you guys had had set in from the start, that, mm. you know, those feelings could have developed even further and further and it could have That's been, true. you know, an even bigger of a breakdown and could have, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, good thing you guys were jumping on the phone, I guess. And you had the, uh, and they had the stones to call it out as well. I feel like there's a lot of people that yeah, probably would have yeah. just buried those sort of feelings. So, yeah, it's a good place to be. That's for sure. And shout out to the folks. Yeah. Canberra is not the most exciting place to go on holidays, so you know they must love you. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're good for. Mum and Dad, they're uh, giving them a shout out. They, like I said, they drop everything at at the drop of a hat if something's not good. Even to this this day, with my sisters all got um, kids and stuff, and they drop everything to. I mean, that's a grandparent. That's what they do. But they're up there every second weekend looking after. So, shout out to the folks. Couldn't live without them, obviously. Big love. Big we love, love. We yeah. love the folks on the yeah. Men Awards. They Absolutely. do plenty. <laughs> Absolutely, oh, that's awesome. And it's probably a nice point to to raise that you know you've signed there as a seventeen year old. You're the making you, I guess, the longest serving Sydney FC footballer to date. So that's a, a massive achievement. Yeah, huge. To to tick off. How's that? How's that sort of sit with you? Yeah, I mean, it's when you really think about it. I think it's it's pretty awesome. There's been some. Uh, pretty cool players and pretty big players that have come through and, and played at Sydney FC. So um, just to sort of be amongst them purely for being the longest serving um, is a pretty cool honour. And, I mean, you don't really reflect on it too much, but um, when people bring it up to you or you have a, a chinwag like we're doing about it now, it's sort of you can sort of look back and think, it, yeah, it is, it's pretty cool. And to have played for any club, I suppose, for as long as that is awesome, but to play for Sydney FC, which many think and myself included is the biggest club in the country i think um yeah you sort of got to be pretty pumped i suppose i mean we're speaking to people in all different sporting codes and the fact that it you know to be a one club player is something that's held in quite a renowned you know across across all sports Mm, basically mm. and yeah so you know only to add to the accolade i guess which is really cool too yeah yeah like you said it's pretty rare i think in this day and age uh uh, for i suppose an athlete to stay at one club for so long um, and be quite loyal. I don't know if it comes down to loyalty or just lack of options, but um, <laughs> yeah, just for so long, uh, I suppose, like you said, is, is quite rare and, yeah, something I'm pretty proud of, I suppose. No, that's awesome, mate. And I might add, it's been a pretty successful camp. Oh, what, how long is that? 17, 13, 14 years of, of football at Sydney FC. You've, what is it, four championships, four premierships, uh, FFA Cup, titles what else is there there's been the toilet seats couple of toilet seat wins it's massive it's a it's a pretty amazing career mate you should be should be stoked and now as well to be set to be able to call yourself a socceroo um was that the ultimate goal as a kid growing up yeah definitely i think um representing your country for any athlete is uh the pinnacle and i was no different as a kid i think um, I just wanted to play for Australia and whatever sport it was, I, I fancied myself at a, a few different things when I was younger. I didn't think it would be football that would sort of get me there. But, um, yeah, as it sort of went on, it that became more realistic. But, yeah, playing for Australia and to be able to say I've done that now and a handful of times too is, is pretty, pretty cool. I would have been happy with just the one cap. But to be yeah, to have, a, I think, 14 or something now, um, yeah, I'm over the moon wrapped about. It's incredible. So, you, yeah, so growing up, Moved around a little bit for football, found yourself at Sydney FC. Um, has there, I know, I know there's a, there was a few big injuries along the way as well. In terms of, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna jump straight into a deep question here. But mm. in terms of uh, struggles in in getting to the top and staying at the top, would you would you sort of find that the the injuries once you were there and getting back up and at to the back up to the same level were they sort of some of the harder times? Yeah, I think so. I think definitely the first time I've done both my cruciates in in both legs. So um, yeah, there's been a few oh, a while since I've had to sort of sit out of the game. Um, but, yeah, the first knee I did, I sort of didn't know how to react because as every sort of person knows, and especially an athlete or people that are into their sport know that as soon as someone does their knees or their knee, the question is, oh, can he come back or can he get back to where he was or he or her get back to where they were. So initially I was like, oh, far out. This could be could be in a bit of strife here. Um, but me, myself, I think I'm, I'm pretty – happy-go-lucky, I don't sort of dwell on things and it's sort of probably a saving grace that I didn't, wasn't like that and I sort of didn't get down the dumps about it but there's definitely times there where you question it um, and, and wonder whether you'll get back to where you were or continue to be a, a professional, I suppose. Um, yes, there's definitely some, some dark days but at the same time without sort of um, saying it wasn't tough but there was, I was pretty good at getting on with it and moving forward. It's it's a good attitude to have and, and a hard and a hard thing to sort of cultivate, I think, you know. Oh, I think it's something that, you know, requires a bit of effort. Is that attitude and that disposition that you talk about and even in the you know, the very start of this chat and talking about, you know, doing your best and staying positive, you know, as much as you can, is that something that you have like do you think is that rooted in your upbringing was that your folks was that a bit of influence from people inside the club like or is that just your disposition and and has been since day dot um i don't know i think i was a bit of a sookie kid so i'm not sure if i was um, (laughs) (laughs) hey you're looking at two sookie kids right here (laughs) Um, but like you said there's nothing wrong with that everyone can have their day that's right but no i think it was sort of the way i was i think and the sort of my upbringing um, I was a, like I said, a bit of a sook, but as I got a bit older, I think the way my, especially my old man was, he sort of, he's a very realistic guy. He didn't sort of get hung up on things if something was pretty black or white. So if it's not much you can do about it, why worry about it sort of thing. Um, and I think sort of maybe subconsciously that was put into me from a, a younger age. But yeah, I mean, you definitely have to work on things like that too and, and sort of create that positive outlook. But I think, yeah, majority of it was just probably instilled from, my mum and dad, and then, um, yeah, just sort of got on with it. But, yeah, it's a hard one because I, I definitely can be, like I said, a bit of a sook and, and <laughs> whinge about certain things and stuff. But overall, I'd like to say I'm a, I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky fella. Were there were there siblings in the in, – I'm sorry, I should probably know this, but siblings, are there siblings? Yeah, I've got uh, three older sisters. So, uh, three yeah, I didn't sisters. get it much. Yeah, yeah. So I, I find – I got a lot. I was sooky as because Caitlin, my sister, a few years older than me, she knew she had my number until I was about, I don't know, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. And then I, I'm on here. I'm back even. I don't have to be so much of a sook. But <laughs> it's interesting. Like you, the, the family dynamic, are your sisters very similar personality to you? Like the get on with it, happy go lucky as well? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. I think I cannot honestly say Caitlin and I are very similar too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Formative. Maybe that's, well, I don't know what my excuse is then. Cause I've got one older brother and I was an absolute sook. So <laughs> got nothing, got nothing in the tank for it. 
But yes, formative nonetheless. I mean, being the youngest, at least I can empathise with that. I mean, we're all, hey, hey, we've got a circle of youngest here, so yeah. And coincidentally, all born in 1991 as well, so there might be something. Yeah, (laughs) the big 3-0. Great year. Great year for Sooks. (laughs) Great year for Sooks. Year of the super thing in Chinese uh, calendar. Yeah, that's it. The lunar calendar. That's right. Oh no, no. crazy. That's cool. Um, in in terms of uh, in terms of outside of footy, then in, outside of football, um, I read I read an article you wrote uh, a, a while back, or not too. Oh, I can't remember how long it goes now. With uh, athlete's voice, and you were talking about um, sort of like a, a a stage in your life where you where you called yourself lucky to be alive um, and the aftermath in terms of in terms of losing sleep and and uh, I'd love I'd love to if you're if you're willing to I'd love to jump into that that point of your life if you're willing to share um, about what happened and and what sort of challenges you faced along the way yeah I mean um, without being too dramatic it was a pretty um, pretty heavy day I was just uh, surfing. Uh, so yeah sort of to set the scene and explain I was just surfing in uh, the northern beaches of Sydney um, where I was living at the time uh, with pretty big swell I, I was starting to get um, or starting to fancy myself as a, a competent surfer even though I was probably far from it um, and it was pretty big swell on the day so I thought I'd go out um, and it sort of just got caught on on the inside we call it as a, a surfing term uh, here I go trying to sound the part um, I think I think I think Murph and I have spent our fair share of time on the inside. That's kind of our it's kind of our wheelhouse. It's kind of exa- that's kind of where we surf. Yeah, that's where I surf. <laughs> exactly where I go. These can relate. Yeah, um, yeah. So just you know, like I said, it was big swell, and I sort of just got pushed um, down the beach. And at the beach uh, at Collaroy, there's a big um, drainage pipe uh, that goes out to the ocean, and I don't think it's used, but it's still sitting there for some reason. But anyway, yeah, sort of got swept towards that, and swept into it and sort of whacked my arm and whacked my ribs and then um, got back to the surface and then another big uh, set came in and sort of pushed me under and I actually got pinned under this massive um, pipe. So my board came in with me and sort of then came out and my leg rope was caught up on um, some sort of uh, thing keeping the pipe in the ground down there. So, um, yeah, I was just trapped there and couldn't get to the surface, couldn't reach my leggy. Um, to sort of rip it off. So it was just a matter of time. I thought at the time I was like, oh, I'm done here, um, which was really surreal actually because everything sort of just went real quiet, real calm, um, which was the opposite to what it was. The conditions were was very overcast and, like I said, big big surf. It was sort of all happening. But, yeah, it just sort of went calm and real still. And I was like, oh, shit, game over. This is going to be awkward to see this Um my family to see this in the paper sort of thing. Like this drown. is a bad episode of Bondi rescue, you know, like, yeah, it's just a exactly. really bad, yeah. Um, but then all of a sudden the leg rope just snapped and I sort of got spat under the, went all the way under the pipe and spat out the other side and sort of regained my feet and sort of swam a little bit and then ended up on the sand and sprinted out. Um, yeah. And then realized that, broke my arm and broke a rib and stuff but oh, at the time wasn't God. wasn't quite aware I was just more on adrenaline um but yeah so then yeah I was just one of those moments where I don't know if someone was looking out for me or if it just wasn't my time but yeah leg rope just decided to snap for me and sort of save me pretty heavy that's yeah that is massively heavy and 
I mean, the fact that the, the leg rope snapped, like, of all mm. things, you know, leg ropes are strong. Yeah. Like, it, they are near really? impossible <laughs> to snap, hey? Like, it's... So, yeah. I mean, That's yeah. full yeah. on. So what in and so in the context of the article was this was the article were you just writing the article about this experience with the with the um, publication? Yeah, well, it was. Um, I didn't really want to tell anyone about it because I didn't want to. I was sort of embarrassed a little bit, but also I didn't really want to put it out there. I was coming back from a knee injury, um, my second ACL actually, um, and sort of didn't want to put it out there that I was surfing and broke my arm and had a bit of an accident. Blah blah yeah. blah. So I sort of just only told my family and really close friends and then a really close friend of mine was a journo for um, Athlete's Voice at the time and he sort of come to me. It was a good six months later probably and was like, oh, I know you don't really want to tell your story but um, I think it's awesome if you get it out there. If you feel comfortable talking about it now, I'd love to be the person to sit down and write it with you sort of thing. Um, and I purely only did it because he was a mate of mine and, when he wrote it, he sort of drafted it out and showed me and I was sort of happy with how it looked because, um, again, I didn't want to really be super dramatic about it because I know people can bung things on and whatnot and mm. I didn't really want to be a big story. But, um, yeah, just because the way he wrote it came across really well, I was like, yeah, let's do it. I, it's such a full-on, like it's an intense story. Like the Yeah. We, we always talk about the, I guess, the healing nature of the ocean and, you know, the it's so good for you. It's sort of like proven to be so good for you to have saltwater therapy. Mm. Um, but it's, it's a really wild reminder of just the actual strength of the, of the base that we, that we have. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. It's a pertinent reminder of how insignificant you are in yeah. the universe. Yeah, exactly. Realizing how big and how powerful this thing is. I am. Um, so I, I'm interested in like, I guess, yeah, obviously I like, I understand, you know, for your, um, want to be a part of the article for your for your mate who obviously trusted and you know and who's someone who was going to present the story in the right sort of way. Was any part of it you like I don't know how to phrase it looking for sort of like closure or, or looking for a way to sort of reflect on that as an experience because it is it's. As surf, these sort of experiences in surfing, and I think we've all had them. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put mine Not quite up. Yeah, I wouldn't put yeah. mine up to the to the yeah. level of yours. But you know, I've had, you know, I've got the one in particular in mind of you know being pinned and that that you know the feeling goes from right swim to the surface, you know, and then the thought goes like, oh wow, like I can't get to the surface right now, and like I don't have the amount of oxygen that I really want to have right now, and. You do like I think you inevitably kind of just laugh that stuff off, or or like it's it's made to be because wiping out is such a like you know kook part of surfing in, in for for lack of a better term exhibit A exhibit A for Liam Murphy over here that's it kook of the day, but it, like that I mean that shit is terrifying <laughs> you know what I mean it is really scary so yeah like was your experience post that like was that like, did that rock you, uh, like, a little bit in the aftermath, especially with the injuries as well? Yeah, it, it really did, actually. Like, I didn't think it would, and I remember um, speaking to my mum and stuff about it um, and just being like, yeah, far out. And then hearing in her voice, um, she was, when I told the story, because, uh, like, I, I keep saying, like, it was, I didn't want it to be dramatic. I didn't want it to overplay it a bit. I sort of just wanted to explain it and just be like, well, far out, this is what happened. And then when I sort of heard how mum reacted to it and then 
she obviously told my sisters because I didn't want to tell my sisters either because I didn't like it, the same reason. Mm. Um, and they called me and they, in their voice, I was like, this is pretty um, significant, like the way it, for them to feel like, oh, shit, maybe I could have lost a son or a sibling. And, again, I, I hate saying it because it sounds very dramatic. But, um, yeah, just the sort of the sound in their voice sort of made it hit home a little bit more. Um, yeah, and then, um, like I said in the article, like the article was written, I sort of had a few sleepless nights um, and it sort of rocked me a little bit. But it sort of made me realise, and I think this is what you touched on earlier, just like I was a bit more grateful Um for everything like even coming off a, a knee injury you sort of like we spoke about go through some down days um but to be sort of back healthy and and ready to play um and then sort of have this experience sort of uh rings home a little bit to be like oh shit i'm pretty lucky to be doing what i'm doing and it sort of gave me that little bit of more energy um and excitement to get back into football not that i wasn't because i was more than ready to get back into it had been over 12 months but um, it sort of all just came into a head at once and sort of compounded um, to make me more excited and more grateful for not just where I was with sport, but just in general with life and family and whatnot without being too deep. <laughs> no, it's a hundred percent, man. Yeah. And, it, and it just points to the power of reflection. Mm. And, you know, we talk about it so often and so many people we talk to in various forms, you know, uh, practice that reflection and you know taking an opportunity to look back at something through a different set of lenses and gaining new perspective from these experiences good or bad obviously in this case a pretty turbulent and a pretty tumultuous experience i mean that's how powerful this stuff can be and that's kind of the best that you can hope for a situation like that isn't it really is that you are able to take something from it because yeah you're i mean you know yeah and like i don't want to sound too dramatic either but you know if that was a you know, more heavy duty leg rope. Maybe there's a different ending to this story, you know, like stuff like that. It's, yeah. it's mental to think that, you know, it's crazy. I love, um, one thing that stood out to me then Ryan was you, you mentioned a few times that you, you know, you didn't want to tell anyone you didn't want to, I guess, you, yeah. You didn't want to share the story. You didn't want your family to be freaked out sort of thing. But the fact that you went and had the conversation with your mum as well, um, really stood out to me. Because, like you said, and I think sort of jumping on that reflection point of view mm. and giving that context to your own story and hearing the, the, the fear in, in your mother's response really, yeah, gives you that opportunity to go, well, I don't know. Like, for me, when I when I speak to, if I've got something going on and I speak to someone, I, I kind of, I'm lucky I feel like a bit of instant, like, relief. Mm. Um, and that I, I tend to find that that is, if I'm holding on to something or if I'm feeling a certain way, I just need to chat to someone and, and get that, that instant relief. So that was that was a big thing for me that jumped out of that that whole story you just shared is that the fact that you were able to just, yeah, jump into a conversation with your mother straight away and and, and sort of feel and feel the, the next steps or the, the next strategies to give you the energy to go again. And I want to know, like, is, is your mum your, your point of contact for, for most things in terms of, uh, you know, if you're feeling down and out, is, is she the person you go to first and foremost or, you know, bouncing ideas off her, that sort of thing? It depends what I want to hear. If I want to hear some uh, positive uh, feedback, it's always go to mum. But um, like I mentioned before, dad's the realist. So if I go to daddy, he's going to tell me how it is, which sometimes everybody needs. So um, 
yeah, it depends how I'm feeling and what I want to hear back. But I think my partner at the moment, um, Danny, she's she's really good at sort of getting me to be more positive and more have a more positive outlook. I think, especially with sport and, and football, you can sort of get down the dumps um, pretty quickly after just one bad game where it means nothing and no one even probably realised or recognised you didn't play well, but you straight away in your own head see one or two things written about you and you sort of overthink it. And she's really good at just bringing me back and being like, fair dinkum, no one cares that much, mate. And you're never as good as someone thinks you are. You're never as bad as someone thinks you are. So yeah, that's true. really good to um, sort of get me back online. But so, yeah, go to her for some things. But mostly dad, I, I talk to dad um, very regularly about a bit about everything. But um, we've sort of got the, the old school son father relationship where you don't get too deep and meaningful but um he says enough to sort of set me on my on my um path i suppose a little bit if i need it it's a, it's interesting that you you pointed out or you sort of pulled out the seeing things people write about you um we've spoken to a lot of i guess a lot of sports people along the way um we haven't hugely jumped into that Conversation that side of conversation we've touched on it here and there with mm. a few guests, but never really, never really made a huge deal of it. Is social media, newspapers, TV? Do you do you try and avoid that? Like, I, and you, you sort of mentioned you you know straight away whether you think you've had a bad game or or you know you think you've had a good game. For example, on the other side of things, if you feel that you've had a, a poor game, do you try and avoid the media, the social media, the TV, the papers? For fear, or not fear, but for to sort of protect yourself from seeing something that you don't want to see? Yeah, definitely. I think especially social media, I think I'll still look at the paper and watch the news because um, obviously they don't delve, delve into the personal side of it, I suppose, where they get right into individuals. But uh, with social media, especially um, Twitter, I suppose, if if you go on there after a bad game, people are more than happy to tell you their thoughts on things and um, they don't do it discreetly either. They'll tag you in things and um, make it very obvious. So even at, even after good games, I try not to look at it too much, but um, if you score a goal or something, you want to see something written about you, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's it a very, very famous mean. goal last year that you would have, I'm, if I was you, I would have been jumping straight <laughs> on the internet and looking at all the highlights, the goal in the grand final, mate, that, yeah. That's the that's a flip side. I would, if I were you, I'm going to say I would have just been straight on. But yeah, so I, I try not to go on uh, either way, whatever way I sort of played good or bad. But um, sometimes it's unavoidable. Like I said, people go out of their way to make sure you know that they played bad or you didn't do well or you shouldn't be here, you shouldn't be there. But yeah, like I said, I don't try to look for it. But if it's there, it's hard to ignore sometimes. I just think one thing that's kind of been. I don't know, frustrating me, I guess, a little bit is because there's been a bit of that stuff, you know, a few weeks ago, Murph and I, as diehard, tragic St Kilda supporters, a bit of stuff going around, you know, for negative press and and just like, what's the line between, you know, critiquing performance and bullying on behalf Mm. of commentators and, Mm. you know, sports journalists and stuff like that. And I... I feel like there's this opinion out there of people that is something along the lines of, well, these athletes just shouldn't be reading any of this stuff. They shouldn't be looking at this stuff. Why do they have Facebook? Why do they have Instagram? Why do they have Twitter and all this sort of thing? And 
I just find it such a hypocritical argument because one, like they build this stuff to just make people addicted to it. And athletes are people. Like, of course they're going to want that same, yeah, you know, notification yeah. dopamine hit that we all crave, you know. It's like, you know, nobody's perfect enough to be able to avoid that stuff. And, and obviously people work to be better and better at it. But yeah, I just think it's this insane premise of, uh, you know, of people being like, oh, well, they just like shouldn't read any of their stuff. And it's like, well, do you think anything you could say is going to be more critical of their performance than what they are going to be of themselves? Like, we're all such self critical people, and people at the top of their games, I think, probably even more so. So, yeah, I don't know. That's just me on a soapbox. Don't mind me. Uh, I'm just like, yeah, it's just been frustrating me a little bit. And I can only imagine from your side of things, it would be. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I think there's a fine line between. Um, critiquing someone and just flat out bullying them or trying to belittle them. I think I can understand if it's a, a journal or a commentator, they've got to do that. That's their job. They've got to say maybe say something that's a little bit um, on edge to sort of get that headline or to critique because they're the experts, I suppose. But mm. um, when it comes to the Twitter side of it, though, that's where it's they're just everyday individual people who – um, go go out of their way to sort of bully you and, and make you feel bad about yourself. And I think that's where the line um, is easily, you can see, is, is being crossed. I think I'm the same as you. I'm a, a massive sport fan, so I'll, I'll watch the TV and say, far out, well, how'd you miss that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'll never go out of my way to tell that person personally. It's um, That's where I think the line is, is crossed. But, yeah, I mean, I can see it from the other side of, point two where it's sort of like yeah if you don't want to know about it sort of try and stay away from it hmm. but then you can say that about anyone it wise anyone on any social media <laughs> yeah yeah that's exactly right like it's just poisoning all of us so yeah so it's a bit rich to be like oh well, athletes just shouldn't be looking at this stuff and then they won't be offended by what we say on twitter it's like well members don't be an asshole on twitter it seems like a safer yeah. alternative yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh crazy now I'll, I'll, i'm interested in that i've, I've seen you know, we've probably both seen friends along the way cop things on social media that mm. aren't professional sports people um, and, and the effect it can have. So, yeah, you're absolutely right, person. Human being number one. I'm just going to side note because I, t- I just mentioned that goal, the, the famous goal for, for yourself. Um, probably... Up there, I'm guessing, with one of your favourite matches to play in. Um, on a personal note, as well as a team note, uh, I think you you won best on ground, if I'm correct, for that. What's that feeling like to be part of such a successful team? And then to, I guess, it's probably, you know, just from speaking to you now, obviously not a huge one for personal limelight, but how, what's, the, what's the feeling? What, what do you do after the game when... When they sort of say like Ryan Grant, you know, best on ground, how's that sit with you? Um, yeah, it's obviously uh, you feel pretty pumped about it. It's a, it's a huge honour. I think I'm not not sure if I, I would have won if I didn't score. Um, I think they sort of just saw the the guy that scored the winner um, sort of goes in the uh, <laughs> fairy tale, I suppose. But um, no, it's still awesome. I think it's um, to be sort of playing a grand final, let alone. Uh, score the winner and then sort of um, be best on ground. It sort of was just a a cherry on the top. It was just an awesome day and an awesome experience to be part of. And that was the the second um, championship in a row for us. So it was just a 
an awesome time and, and something that <clears throat> I think, well, it's, it's, it's a weird one because we're in another grand final come, come Sunday. So, yes. um, yeah, it's just been a real successful period for us, but especially last year for me personally, it was, yeah, easily the, the highlight um, other than representing the Socceroos. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to, there's two points I want to sort of bring up yeah, about last year and this year. Last year, yeah, beat Melbourne City uh, in the grand final. The the man who nominated you or, or suggested you to come and, and chat on the show, Josh Brillanti, was that year on the other side of the coin. So previously with Sydney FC for a long time, last year uh, at Melbourne City for the year. Obviously good mates, really good mates with each other. What's it like to, to face off in, in the ultimate mm. match, I guess, against the best mate and... You know, someone you've had success with as a teammate as well as a as a best mate prior to, and then sort of have to go out and just put everything aside and and go at it for <laughs> for an hour and a half or however long it went. Um, it's it's pretty easy to be honest. I think the lead up is uh, sort of not the awkward side of it, but um, depending how good of friends you are. But me and Josh are obviously good mates, so yeah. um, that the week leading in is sort of. How far is is too far with banter? Like leading, <laughs> <laughs> just looking for the line. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so much uh, to think about. Um, but once it gets to the game, I think everyone uh, sort of knows what's at stake, and you sort of just get on. You 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 don't really you know he's out there, but at the same time you're not um, thinking about it. It's, it's sort of like a you're not conscious that he's really there. Um, but then. In moments in games, as everyone would probably know, you sort of have where the ball goes out, outages or goal kicks, and you sort of, if you're lucky enough to be near him, you sort of have a little of a, a bit of a joke or pinch him on the arse or <laughs> there or something. Um, so there's always that little bit, which I love. I, I I hate when sort of people get too far into the game where you can't even shake their hand or have a laugh with them. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Just, I don't hate it. It's just not something I'm about. I, I like to have a joke and say good day and stuff. So, and Josh is the same. He, he was the same. So it was, um, yeah, it was obviously a great, great time for me, a great night for me, but obviously not a great night for Joshy, but um, it's been a year now, so I'm allowed to rub it in, I think. <laughs> hey, and he's not even in the country, so probably fair play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 100%. And all he needs to do is just turn around and send you a photo of the, the great islands that he's oh, living in. Oh, do you know what? At the moment. I'm not one for blocking people on social media, but I tell you what, Josh Berlanti's going the right way for a block. Him just living this, like, David Guetta DJ life in the Greek <laughs> islands, I can't handle it. <laughs> living the dream, is at the minute. He's killing it. Oh, it's so good. No, I love it. Um, the other part to that question, you just touched on the fact that Sydney FC back in the grand final again this year, again against Melbourne City. Um, it. I want to know about the what the feeling is for yourself because it's obviously going to be a hard one. Um, still in lockdown, the game is on Sunday. Mm. Um, still going to be sitting there in in the hotel is it something do you think like how do you feel are you going to watch it are you going to yeah it's, it's pretty frustrating to be honest um watching any game or not being part of the game that you would usually be part of or your team whether you're injured or suspended or for a circumstance like this which i never thought would happen no <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's very frustrating but again there's not much you can do about it so um i'm going to 100 going to be watching um Cheering on the boys. I've been talking to them all week, and they are all pumped for it. So, 
Um, 100% will watch. It will be very nerve-wracking, I suppose, purely like you said, because you can't do anything about it. Um, you can't help them out or you can't be there. Um, I think I'm a little bit more envious of the celebrations that will happen after. Mm. <laughs> They're going to be having the right time and you sort of get that FOMO. But, um, no, nah, I think not playing in it, especially after winning it two years in a row and us being having the chance to be the first team ever to win three uh, grand finals in a row um, and to sort of play all season and then not get to play the, the most important game of the year is is pretty bittersweet. But, yeah, it is what it is and I'm sure the boys will get it done and once I'm out I can sort of go and live it up with them and, and feel like I was a part of it. Yeah. Well, hey, things, all things going well, by the time you get out, celebrations will still be going. <laughs> I think it'll be, it'll be about four days in, so they might need a little um, kick up the bum and that's going to be me. I'll get them going again. Yeah. A bit of just some, lighting time. Yeah, a bit of fresh blood out of the hotel system. <laughs> yeah. Just come in. Yeah. A few, few medical subs. Yeah, it sounds perfect. <laughs> so on that and on the teammates, and I guess as Murph mentioned before, of you being, yeah, I, I guess, you know, this having this long relationship and this legacy with, with Sydney FC and having been there for so long, we asked about your, you know, external support network before and it'd be great for you to sort of touch on your support network within football as well. That'd be really awesome to hear. But for someone in your position, obviously you haven't played, you know, nearly 250 games, I think it was. So I can only imagine that you're, have found yourself in a position where you are a support, are part of are part of these other players' support networks as well, where, you know, just having the experience you have of, you know, handful of premiership games and, and all of this experience you have had playing for Sydney. What is it like being on the other side of that support mechanism or what is it like, you know, what have you sort of found to be ways that you've been successful in supporting your teammates across the journey as well? Um, yeah, it's a great question. I think... Um... I don't know if I thrive in it, but I love I love when the young boys sort of um, just want to have a chat or ask about old stories. Um, I used to play with our coach, obviously, Bimby, Steve Corico. I played with him uh, when I started my career and then the boys loved to hear stories about him um, when I was playing with him and how good he was and, and the rest of it. So um, even though that's not really a support network as such, I do love when people sort of come to me and, and want to have a chinwag about that. And um, it's so easy, as everyone knows, to talk about stuff that you're happy to talk about or you're confident and you know to talk about and then you can just go on for, for hours. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a good feeling when the when the young boys or any even in the other boys, the older boys, come and, and ask your opinion or get your um, view on something and, like you said, being at the club for so long, I suppose that only comes naturally. Mm. Uh, having so much experience, I suppose, not just playing, but um, with the staff and, and the backroom staff and I suppose the people in the offices and, and, and whatnot. So um, it's really cool. I love it, to be honest. I, I feel like um, when someone wants my opinion, I feel a little bit like, oh, here we go. You can put Mr. Important all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> I think that's, a, that's the best thing we have at Sydney FC and I think it it's gets said a lot and it can be a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say cringy, but um, maybe cliche, but we do have a really good culture and I think that's what, what drives us. We have a, probably a five or six players that have been at Sydney for the last five or six years, a real core group that are all really good mates and I think we bounce off each other and then other people come to us and sort of bounce off us and it just works so well at the moment. I think that's... The reason we've been doing so well, especially the last 
five years. It is just, it seems to be a proven thing in sport, right? That like the culture, yeah, you say, I mean, it probably is, you know, a cliche thing that's on every coaching, you know, hit list of things that you need to foster within a club of any sport. But it's obviously the case. I mean, you just point to successful teams over the last couple of decades in any sport and they talk about, you know, the positive environment, not just on the field, but yeah, in like all those back of house relationships with all the staff and all the other players and and so yeah i i, I don't think yeah I, I wouldn't i wouldn't say you know you, you sort of kind of discounted what you were what your role in that was by saying that you're just telling old glory stories but i wouldn't call it that mate i would say that that's exactly what your role is in 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 that support mechanism you know like that's yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't cheapen that at all mate that's a that's probably a really big part of it and something that yeah, these the younger guys, like you say, will will take a lot from. Definitely, I think so. Couldn't agree more, Ryan. I want to, in so I guess it's a related question, in terms of times where maybe you have felt that vulnerability and and the struggle in professional or, or personal personal life. Um, when, when you're feeling that, I'd love to know what what your like go-to strategies are or you know is it a going for a surf that sort of thing is it just having those conversations stepping away um catching up with whoever or do you have any other strategies that you sort of utilize when when you're feeling vulnerable um i think we've sort of we've touched on a few where my my girlfriend is really good at that and um and i like to sort of think i'm i'm good with her for the exact same reason i can sort of tell and I suppose everyone would be the same with their partners. You can sort of sell, tell when something's up or, or they're not feeling the best. And we're probably better at giving that advice than receiving it to each other. Um, it's always uh, a sort of with us, it's the case if she's not feeling well. I'm all, all of a sudden I'm more brightly and more positive and I'm trying to get her up and make her feel better and then vice versa if I'm a little bit down or something. Um, she's really good getting herself bubbly and up and, and happy and whatnot it sort of just rubs off on each other which we're really lucky to have but um other than that yeah you said surfing I, I like i said i'm not a good surfer but i still enjoy um getting in the in the salt water like you said the salt water therapy i think it's a fact i think it, uh, i'm not sure on that actually I'm scientific undisputed fact <laughs> whether it's yeah surfing or swimming or snorkeling or something i think going back to to basics or, yeah. or I don't know if it's basics, but going back to getting in the, the salt water and, and having a swim or talking, I think everyone sort of says that and that's the biggest thing about mental health, I think, is if when you talk about it, you just feel like you've got a, a weight lifted off your chest or your shoulders and I think as soon as you can start that chat, whether it is just like saying, oh, far out, had a stinker last night and someone saying, oh, you weren't that bad or, yeah, but how good were you two weeks ago or you know, this weekend you can just prove how good you really are. I think just the littlest chat makes the biggest difference. So I think they're the main sort of things I do. Yeah, I love that. That's our, that's one of our mottos here. Little conversations make the big differences. So you absolutely hit the nail on the head. We yeah, couldn't agree more with you. That's that's awesome. What about at the club? Do you, uh, like sports psychologists um, or club psychologists, do, have you ever had any experiences with those or any need to, to chat to those or do you ever just find yourself go and have a conversation just to touch base and, and hear those reaffirmations? Um, we do have or we did and, and still continue to do, I suppose, have a, a guy that we can go to at Sydney FC and with the Socceroos. Um, we've got access to him 24 hours a day, which is handy. Um, I 
thankfully haven't had to go to him um, too often in, in, I suppose, in a, in a bad way. It's sort of more if he's about, I'll have a, a chin wag with him and he reaches out a lot anyway. So you sort of have those conversations without reaching out, which is um, probably a blessing too and, and something that he's probably well aware of and that's the reason he does it. But, um, yeah, I don't think – I don't um, – necessarily look for it or look for the chat but it is it is good once you've had had that chat to to sort of feel better about yourself or um yeah being a bit bit more positive light but um yeah Sydney FC really good look with that and again with the Socceroos they do have that fella Mike Conway's name is um available at all times if needed yeah that's interesting I want to yeah. I'm interested as well because you mentioned having already played with your coach Steve Corica and now him being in the in the top top job, do you, is your do you find your relationship to be any different to other other teammates with him? Um, and and in the same vein, do you find yourself having a similar conversation with him as you might have with someone else that's not your boss? Essentially, <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, no, that make makes sense. I think yeah, I think I do actually have a a, a little bit different relationship with. With um, Bimby, we call him. His nickname's Bimby, uh, Stevie Corica. So straight away, some of the boys call him Steve, and I call him Bimby. So there's already a um, a difference in the way we go about it. Um, but yeah, he knows me so well, um, and was a big advocate of mine when I was when I was coming through. So um, we've got a pretty good relationship, regardless. Um, and then obviously, when he became coach, it wasn't weird. It was more. He didn't. He doesn't have to really give me a rev up. It's sort of, I have so much respect for him um, as a player and, and now a coach and as a person because he's he's a good fella and I just want to do well for him and, and not let him down. And I think the conversations we can have on the back of that, um, as sort of being teammates or friends first, um, is a lot more easier and can talk about probably things you wouldn't usually speak to with uh, a head coach or. a even a foreign coach that came in and, and doesn't have that same relationship. So I think I do have a little bit of a different relationship to other players. Um, and I think it's, it's sort of put me in good stead, especially the last couple of years where if I want to say something or bounce off him, I can, and, and he can sort of be straight with me and, and speak to me more on a friendship level or human level rather than as a, a coach to a, to a player. It's an interesting perspective. I think Muff, I, I don't, I'm I'm speaking possibly for you as well here. Please, you know, shoot me if I need to. But (laughs) Muff and I, in a similar sort of vein, we, you know, best mates grew up for a long time together. They sort of always, the 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 thing is, you don't you don't work with friends. That's always sort of floated out there. Mm. We ended up working together for a long time, and I think one thing that was really important uh, in the formation of that before we jumped into it, before I came and worked with you, was that. We sort of said, you know, we're friends first, and if we need to have yeah. conversations, we have a conversation. If it's a professional chat, it's got to be a professional chat. We're taking nothing into it from outside world, and it's you know, from nine to five or whatever it was. We're at work. We're colleagues. We're not mates, sort of thing. So, it's interesting how that translates to, I guess, across the board in in a whole different field. Mm. Um, with with what you were sort of saying there, Ryan. It's yeah. It sort of, that resonates with me a fair bit. Yeah, no, 100%. You're absolutely right. And I think, first of all, 
you tell me one day that you only worked from nine till five, Murph, because that's <laughs> no, bullshit. You worked no minimum seven till 11 every fucking day we work together. So that's one. <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. I think it really comes down to like what you value more it like out of those two relationships, I guess. Mm. And they can both exist, you know, harmoniously yeah. and they can yeah, be really positive. And, and like you and Ryan, your example is exactly that, which is awesome. And I think, but I think, I guess the, the circumstances in which it doesn't happen because, you know, we talk about cliches, you know, a few minutes yeah. ago, like that's the old adage is that yeah. no, you don't mix work and friendship or work and family because if it doesn't work, then it's game over. So yeah, I think it, it like in, in the scenario that we're talking about and in all these scenarios, the successful ones, I think it is just a matter of people valuing the friendship and the person more than the outcome that's on the other side of it mm. Mm. and inevitably that's going to lead to a better outcome anyway so yeah i think it's um yeah it's pretty self-serving risky but worth it hey it worked it out, out didn't it, Murph? it came out all right. <laughs> it came out all right 100%. ryan it's a uh, one one thing that stood out for me when i when i listened to a, a big presentation from the resilience project was this phone call thing where you you call your best mate or one of your mates and and honestly tell them how you feel about them in terms of the love and respect and etc etc and it's something that i'd never done before other than over a few beers and in telling a mate that i loved him and i would love to to ask you ryan when the last time if ever the last time you've told a mate that you like like you actually love them or appreciate them without you know having a, a couple of beers on the side um, yeah, without a bit of liquid courage, I don't think I've done it too often, to be honest. So I feel like in my older age, um, I've sort of, people mean a, li- a little bit more to me. And I, I have genuinely said it like a love you, mate, sort of thing, but I don't think I've ever been fully into it where it's like, oh, mate, I really appreciate you, I love you, uh, sort of thing. It's more just in passing. So, yeah, probably, probably never, mate. <laughs> That's a fair enough answer. It's a fair answer. It's a, a very common answer, absolutely. Uh, all right, here's, a one, here's one for you. Would you be willing to take on the challenge and, and give a mate a phone call while, while we're here? I can give it a crack. See how... <laughs> there you go. I love <laughs> That's that. That's what we're talking about. That. I love it. Uh, as a bit of context, I know Josh Joshy B sort of said the same thing. He hadn't really ever thought about doing it or and he, he jumped in guns blazing... And it was actually one of the most like incredible things to experience because he, do you remember he sort of like hung up the phone. You could hear in his voice he was quite nervous. He hung mm. up the phone and he was sort of just like, I don't know how to feel. Like I feel bad because I should have done this before. Mm, it's just such a right. good bloke. It's amazing. But he was just <laughs> like, you know, I feel bad that I haven't made an effort to tell my friends this before. And it was just like really incredible to watch him, like that transition from fear to being like, Shit, that was that was cool easier thing. than I thought. But man, I should be doing this more. So, yeah, if you're if you're willing and able, we'd love you to to whack whack the phone on loudspeaker and give it a crack. If it's a voicemail, send some loving. Absolutely, do it through voicemail because they are awesome to hear mm. on the other end. Um, yeah, what do you reckon? Yeah, all right, I'll give it a crack. I'm just trying to weigh up who's the best chance of, of answering. To be honest. Uh, <laughs> Got a few uh, with our age, us ninety one born. There's a few friends floating around with babies and whatnot. So yeah, that's it. That's might be past bedtime. <laughs> I might be wrong here, but I think when Joshy did it, he gave me a shout out. Was uh, the other shout out Aaron Calver? Correct. 
Absolutely correct. correct. It was, yeah, yeah. Uh, is, that a, is that a cheat code if I call him? Hey, if he's one of your best mates, and I know from experience he probably definitely is, give him a buzz. Okay. Uh, where is he? Here we go. Hey, Darren the dog. What's going on? Heaps of stuff, mate. What are you up to? A little bit of dinner, bro. That's the way. Yeah, flat out in here, mate. Full on. Yeah, I sent this shit video the other day. No, I'm just calling, mate. I've only got you for a, a minute or so, but I just wanted to call you and give you a genuine um, thanks and, and tell you I appreciate you and that I love you and I know we don't see each other as much as we used to as we're housemates, but um, you're still one of my best mates and I want you to know that I do love you and I appreciate you and I wish you all the best for your new journey. Fucking Thanks, bro. What are you wearing? <laughs> I'll send you a photo. Give me a minute, mate. I'm, I'm doing something. No, that's bad, bro. I appreciate that. It's nice to hear from your good mates every now and again, isn't it? Exactly, mate. Anyway... Um, you know, I'll chat to you anyway. I talk to you too much as it is, but um, I'll give you a chat. I'll give you a call and chat to you genuinely. All right. All see right. you, bro. See Yes. Right. Oh, oh man. man. That was unreal. That was, that was awesome. What a, what a reaction. <laughs> how was that? How was that, Ryan? A little, uh, little nervy? How was that? How'd that go? Yeah, a little bit of sweat on the forehead. Um, no, he's all right. I knew, I knew, uh, I think we both know that um, we mean each other to a lot to each other, but you, like you boys said, you don't say it probably as often and as you should. And uh, when you hear it, it sort of means a little bit more. So um, even though it's a bit nerve wracking and maybe came across a little bit nervous, I think is for the best and hopefully he can do the same. Hopefully he gives me a call when he comes on here. Otherwise, I don't know if he's still my mate. <laughs> I really, no, I really awesome. loved really that. Cool. It was cool. Yeah, one, you you got your message across in terms of like the love and appreciation, and you're still able to have a little bit of a joke and, and a bit of fun with him as well. And that, I think it's an important thing to remember. Like, yeah, absolutely. Huge. We, we say you know call your mate and tell him you love him, but there's you know you need to still have that same relationship and and still be able to have a bit of fun with it because yeah, make it fun. It makes it a lot easier. So now that was that was awesome to hear, mate. Well done. Yeah, top stuff. Very impressed. Amazing work. I got a, I got a, another segue only purely because you just took your hat off and it reminded me the famous mullet, no longer, but there is a very, very significant reason and a very, very significant amount of reasons behind <laughs> why, it, why it's uh, not there anymore, mate. Do you want to talk us through, I guess, the, the mullet and the getting rid of mullet? Yeah, well, I had the mullet um, for a number of years. Uh, it was just more of a... Um, something different sort of thing. Um, they're quite common now and you see them everywhere sort of in the AFL, I think. Trendsetter. Yeah, the boys are probably the OGs of it, but um, <laughs> nice. sort of maybe uh, jumped on their, um, their trend, I suppose. But no, I had the mullet for a few years, but thought I should get a, a haircut. I was turning 30 and thought probably should settle down and um, be a bit more sensible. Um, <laughs> so I thought I'd, I'd cut the hair and um, we actually had a, a teammate and a good mate of mine, Luke Bratton. Um, his sister had a uh, leukemia and um, he had some other uh, cancers in the family and, and he'd done uh, the shave for a cure, um, the greatest shave, I should say, that the year before uh, last and I always said if I was going to cut the mullet, I'd do it for, for that um, cause because it's obviously something that's close to home for him and 
um, him being a good mate, I'd, I'd love to sort of help out. And uh, when it was time to cut the hair, I sort of spoke to him and, and he was obviously over the moon for it and um, put me in contact with the right people and um, ended up, yeah, raising a fair bit of money for a good cause that's uh, close to a really good mate's heart. Was it over 25 grand in, in funds raised for, for an incredible organisation? And it, awesome. it, it adds a, that, that extra weight to, to know that you're contributing that amount of money to, to something really significant to a friend is obviously a pretty special thing. And I'm, no doubt Luke Bratton and his whole family would be very, very grateful for the, for the efforts you, you put in and, and the, the work that you did, mate. And it's uh, yeah, something that you can hold on to forever as well to know that you've got that, that pride in, in being able to support your mates. No, I appreciate that. It was um, quite nice. We had a game not too long ago in Brisbane, actually, and um, I got to see his sister there who is recovering. I think I don't know I don't know the right terminology, but I'm pretty sure she's recovered at the moment uh, and doing really well. And, and she came up and wanted to get a photo and, and thank me for everything. And I think sort of the hits home there, you, you know what you're doing and you know what cause you're doing it, but when you can see them and see how thankful they are for raising awareness and obviously some funds for it was, was huge. And then... Perhaps his old man came down and, and did the same thing and, and shook my hand and um, same sort of feeling. It was just uh, they were very over the moon and genuine about it and um, makes you realise that what you do, it, it, it's more than what you sort of realise. You know why you're doing it, but um, just sort of see how much it affects them is, is pretty cool. So they're a great family and it seem like they're doing really well, so all good. Wow, man, it's incredible, mate. That's so awesome. I am going to ask you one more question and I've been thinking about it. The nickname Buster. Yeah. I, I've been trying to figure out for, for for ages where it came from and something hit me last night and I want you to tell me if I'm on the money or not. I have no idea why this came but... <coughs> He's normally right as FIR. And this is, like, I'm going to put it out there. I doubt that you know the reasoning but... Okay. This is, this is great because I'm just taking an absolute stab in the dark but <laughs> first name Ryan... Sort of sounds like Ryan, Buster Ryan, Buster Ryan. Surely, all right. I mean, that's not bad. That's a stretch, <laughs> is what that is. Stretch. I like where your head's at. No, I've been trying everywhere, trying to think of everything, and that won't hit me. And I was like, I've got it. Oh, I don't know about that. All right. Okay. Yeah, that was a fucking. That was a hail mary. But okay. <laughs> I'd like where your head's at, but it actually came from um, my dad started calling me Buster when I was two because I busted my head open four times in the one year, I think. Um, so he gets, kept saying, like, stop busting your head open, Buster, sort of thing, and then it just stuck. And as I've gone to different places, for some reason I've always known someone from my pe- previous um, place, where, whether it was where I was playing or where I was living, and the nickname sort of just strung along the whole way. And um, some people only know me as Buster, to be honest. Some people, in my family anyway. Um, I, don't, I think my nephews and nieces don't know my real name. Um, just, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with the nickname. It's not a bad nickname. It's better than um, calling me plain old Ryan. It's a good nickname. Tough guy nickname. Jeez, I thought I had it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Are you sure the old man wasn't a huge Buster Ryan fan? <laughs> like he could have been. He could have been a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> It was worth a shot. It was worth a shot. Oh, my God. I love it. So, Ryan, to round out our conversation, we're uh, interested in keeping the conversation going. As we as we have done with a lot of our other guests, we're interested to know if you've got a person or a couple of people in, in mind that you would enjoy 
them having a conversation along these lines and you think that they would be, you know, a good person that would be interested in having a bit of a chat about their story and, you know, mental health journey and things like that. Do you have a have someone in mind there? Um, just off the top of my head, purely because um, I was his biggest fan when I was a kid, I'm going to say um, Ryan Girdler. I'm not sure if he means much to you guys from um, Victoria, but he's a rugby league or an ex-rugby league player that used to play for the Penrith Panthers uh, New South Wales and Australia and I loved him as a kid and um, would probably want to know um, more about his life um, as well so I think if you could get him on that would be a massive um, coup yeah, yeah. Uh, so you're all good I love that we actually haven't jumped into the NRL side of things so that could be a really cool uh, really cool conversation and, and to hear the, the similarity you know we haven't spoken to anyone from NRL so it'd be mm. cool to hear the, the similarities between the athletes and the codes around the country that'll sort of round out the, the codes coverage <laughs> yeah that nearly sense. that's it uh well yeah that's that's awesome ryan we really appreciate that mate and look i think uh, i'll let murph round it out and say our final little uh final little goodbyes before we jump off but yeah in, incredible stuff today mate just so grateful to have you on so thanks heaps bro no, no worries thanks for having me i know it's been a not a while coming but we've sort of been in the pipeline so i appreciate you just getting me on and not to be fair, not much else to do in here. So, but I appreciate. It. <laughs> hey, oh. you want to you want to jump back on in another four days? You just let us know. <laughs> Put an accent on. We'll pretend you're someone else. <laughs> exactly. Nah, Ryan. It's uh, yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure. You did, as you said, it's been in the pipelines for a for a little while now, and we are yeah very very grateful to be able to finally sit down and have a chat. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being so vulnerable and open and, and, and honest with us, mate. It's um it's really cool. So thank you. No worries, thank you, mate. Easy done. Muff. Murph. I am forever grateful and forever humble, but I have a, a little bone to pick with you. Alright, hit me. We just got some fantastic brand new gear. And you don't even have your hat on. <laughs> You've got this red beanie on and I'm a little bit a little bit now Upset you know, you know, I was a little bit chilly walking in true. today. That's all. That's all. True. I'm very excited. Where I yes, Murph, your babies have come to life. The merch exists. It's in the. It's here. It's here. Uh, but we we can chat about that another time, mate. I just wanted to give that dig at you. So <laughs> I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you very much for another fantastic conversation. Thank you very much, Mr. Murphy. Yeah, excited for many, many more today. Absolutely no exception. Another awesome chat. Can't wait to get this one out in the world. For everybody else listening, thank you all so much for all of your love and support. Thank you for some donations over the last month to our push-up challenge, which we're very, very excited about. We'll have a chance to debrief on that properly, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, very excited to see how that all finishes up. Alrighty, Murph, I love you, bro. Let's do it. This is the Men of Words podcast, where the little conversations make the biggest differences. Mm